This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time, 12.03. It's great to have you with us for the Friday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. We'll talk about vacation homes. A lot of people are buying them these days. Also, a potential fireworks shortage this summer. Now that the Bears have confirmed they put in a bid to buy property in Arlington Heights, what is next for the team? We'll talk about that in our next segment. Right now, the Fed's first interest rate hike might not be that far off. We're joined by Brian Westbury, Chief Economist at First Trust Advisors in Wheaton. Brian, thanks for being with us. You have uh, at least one Fed president who believes we're going to see it sooner rather than later. Yeah. Yes, Cisco, absolutely. It's great to be with you. And uh you know, I guess you could say not far off if we're thinking about a year from now for the Fed to raise interest rates. But that's still a long ways away. And and the way I kind of look at the Federal Reserve is that is that they they're easy. Their monetary policy is easy. Interest rates are really low. They are buying one hundred and twenty billion dollars worth of bonds every month. And as long as that persists, then monetary policy is easy. So the, the markets today going down because we might raise interest rates in a year, I, I think that's a little uh, – I, I think they're jumping the gun. I, I do not think this will last. I think the markets will end this year higher than they are today. And do you think that the markets can survive even you know some sort of interest rate? Whether it's a year from now, two years from now, interest rates still pretty low. Are the markets overreacting here? Yeah, I, I do think they are. Uh, the, the the Fed is easy. We've put a lot of new money into the U.S. economy. That's going to come, by the way, with inflation. Uh, and, and that means with inflation that interest rates should be higher. First of all, they shouldn't be zero. Second of all, if inflation is going up, they should be higher uh, just because of that as well. So, yeah, we can withstand higher interest rates. Uh, you know, somebody paying four, 3% for a mortgage is better than 4%, but 4% is still low uh, relative to history. So what are you seeing in the wider economy here as we get a rebound going? Uh, anything you're seeing that, that is alarming you or, or you feel like we're on a pretty good track now that we're getting more reopen? Yeah, I, you know, if you, if you think about it, Cisco, I, I call this one of the easiest times I've ever had to forecast. Uh, we're opening up. Uh, the, back, uh, the, the COVID is going away. Vaccines have proliferated, even though there's fewer and fewer people every day taking new ones. Uh, but, but really, uh, the, the virus seems to have passed. That means we're opening up. When you see <laughs> exactly, um, but when you see these things happening, you know we're opening up. That's a boom and a boost to the economy. The second thing, the interest rates are low. The Fed is still putting money into the economy, and the third thing is there's still a lot of government stimulus coming our way. Put those three things together, and you get a boom in the economy. 
And uh, so uh, as far as the employment picture, I mean, we need to get some more people back to work, right? Yes, we do. So, uh, you know, one of the problems, and I mean, it's unfortunate. I, I get the fact that we're paying, that we've uh, used government money to replace income that we took from people by shutting down businesses. Okay. It's sort of a, in a, in a constitutional sense, it's, it's a taking. If I make you close your business, make you not work, then I have to compensate you. And that's what this is all about. But then, unfortunately, when you open up, you're, in a essence, paying people not to work. And that means they don't really want to come back right away. So we have to get over that. We now have 26 states that have ended these special benefits, and the rest are going away in September. So Somewhere during this year, we're going to end up gaining about 7 million jobs as everything opens up. So this year is going to be a boom. Corporate profits are going to rise. And that's why I think, you know, the last couple of days of uh, the market having a little bit of a tantrum, it's just temporary. And that's why I think we're going to go higher. Thanks so much, Brian Westbury, Chief Economist at First Trust Advisors in Wheaton. Just ahead, what should we make of the Bears' interest in property in Arlington Heights? It's no longer just speculation. The Bears say they've entered a bid to buy the Arlington International Racecourse in Arlington Heights. Let's talk about it with Danny Ecker, a reporter with Crane's Chicago Business. Uh, Danny, the Bears, they still have a lease for quite a while until 2033 at Soldier Field. So it's, it's kind of tough to tell whether this is a negotiating tactic or whether they may really leave right and it's not like this is the first time we've seen this the bears in the past several decades have had overtures with arlington heights and other locations to to leave and create some leverage in negotiating with soldier field and the chicago park district to figure out a better solution there i mean the, the bears and the city were sort of destined at some point to have a tough discussion about the team's future at soldier field as its lease expiration approached in 2033 and it just so happens that Arlington International going up for sale sort of forced the conversation to happen now with Mayor Lightfoot. And the Bears have for a long time been very frustrated with restrictions they have in terms of uh, signage and naming rights and the ability to develop area around the stadium, even though there's not a lot of space to do it. And that's what they are hoping to presumably get out of this whole process. That really, I I guess, raises a question from a business standpoint. Does it make sense for the Bears to go ahead and move out? I mean, they could do pretty much whatever they want to do out in Arlington Heights. It's a really compelling, compelling upside for the Bears to to build their own stadium. And you think about the ability to hold concerts and, you know, other revenue generating events and, and, you know, and also maybe even develop area around a stadium that they own. I mean, we're talking about something that would take probably, you know, eight to 10 years from planning stages to actually build and, and open. But uh, and obviously they have a lot of term left on their lease at Soldier Field. But compared to what other, you know, the, the sort of the modern professional sports venue and what it is as sort of an anchor of a broader entertainment district. I mean, look at Wrigley Field and what's happened there. That's what the Bears are looking at and missing out on. And I think they're kind of saying to the city, look. We need to get Soldier Field up to speed to make it more adaptable to modern professional sports venues and let us know what you can do. And if not, we need to look at the option of moving and opening and building our own stadium and doing it ourselves. Because it's along the lakefront, are, are there some limits, I would imagine, to the Bears being able to do, like you said, what the Cubs have done at Wrigley Field in Wrigleyville? You can only build so much along the lakefront. 
Absolutely. I mean, there's there are physical limitations because there's only so much space. There are financial limitations because the Chicago Park District doesn't really have the, the means to invest heavily in something that will drastically expand or change the stadium just for one of its tenants. Obviously, the Chicago Fire play there and their concerts and other things. Um, and then, you know, there's obviously been a history of pushback for changes of developments along the lakefront. I mean, look what happened with the Lucas Museum of Narrative Arts several years ago, where you know, that was that never happened because there was so much pushback for a, a big development there. So there are a, a lot of roadblocks. And I think the Bears uh, are, are, you know, trying that I think this may be their best leverage they've had in a long time to say, hey, we need to change this. What can we do? Yeah, I was uh, kind of paying attention to the social media chatter after this broke yesterday. And I was really surprised. A lot of Bears fans actually like the Arlington, at least the ones I was seeing online. Uh, a lot of them like the idea just because of the infrastructure. I mean, you have all these great roads, expressways coming from all over Chicagoland that all sort of meet in Arlington Heights. Sure. And there's access to public transit. There's there's a lot of you know reasons that this would be a uh, a really um, attractive spot. I mean, certainly there are some fans in some areas that would be harder to get to, but it's not like it's easy to get to Soldier Field, even though it is so centrally located. And, you know, I think that uh, the, the question is, you know, one, how willing and able the Lightfoot administration is to make meaningful changes to Soldier Field to placate the Bears now. And then, of course, you know, will the McCaskey family, which, as many people know, are, are have historically been resistant to big changes, is willing to walk away from the team's history at Soldier Field and make this big bet on a new venue? Because that's not something I think they would do lightly. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see what ends up coming of this. Thanks so much. That's Danny Ecker, reporter at Crane's Chicago Business. You read him online and in print. Up next, what's behind a spike in the sales of vacation homes in the U.S.? Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. One of the many things you might not have expected during the pandemic, a spike in sales of vacation homes. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Rick Sharga, Executive Vice President of Realty Track, based in Orange County, California. Rick, kind of give us the lowdown here. A lot of people buying vacation homes. Yeah, Cisco, the, the housing market is hot and the vacation home market is red hot. Uh, we, we see a lot of people who are, are now moving into areas they'd like to be in uh, rather than places they had to be in because of their jobs, because they're now able to work from home and, and home can be anywhere. So uh, vacation home sales have, have dramatically outpaced uh, the, the increase we've seen in existing home sales uh, across the country. And, and it's really happening pretty much everywhere. Does that mean a lot of these maybe start off as vacation homes but become permanent homes? As Like you say, people can work remotely. Yeah, it's, it's a combination of things, Cisco. In some cases, people are selling their current home and moving into a vacation area and making that their new home. In other cases, they're, they're tapping into equity. Uh, home prices across the country have gone up by 14% year over year. They're taking some of that equity and buying a second house, and they sort of pick and choose when they're going to be in each, each property. But uh, but yeah, that that work from home phenomena has caused a lot of uh, uh, given a lot of people the freedom to relocate to areas they they prefer to live. So moving forward, I mean, I'm just thinking about prices. If this continues, does that just keep the the rise in home prices going too? Because that's increasing the demand. Well, the the, the home prices across the country, as I said, jumped about 14 percent year over year. Uh, it, it and the, in the vacation counties. 
uh, the numbers are, are actually rising even more rapidly. The, the big issue we have collectively is historically low supply of homes for sale uh, and, and a growing demand as millennials and even Gen Z, uh, the, the Gen Z age cohort is coming into the home buying ages. Uh, and we're seeing household formation increase as the pandemic winds down. Uh, there's a limited amount of supply in these vacation markets. Uh, they, they by, by definition, tend not to be high-density uh, housing markets. Uh, and so as you have more people looking for, for those kind of options, that supply and demand imbalance just makes the prices uh, rise exponentially. Thanks so much, Rick Sharga. He is executive vice president at Realty Track. Just ahead, it is Entrepreneur Friday, the story of a college football player who moved from the gridiron to the grocery shelves. This is Chicago's all news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Cisco Cotto. Thanks for joining us. These are the top stories on the news radio, WBBM, on the Noon Business Hour. It's quadruple witching day on Wall Street. We'll take a look. A former college football player scores big in retail food sales. What's behind a possible fireworks shortage on the 4th of July? WBBM Business, the Dow down 431 points. The NASDAQ is down 95 and the S&P is down 39 points. Oil is up right about 1%. We're heading to a high of 93. May feel like 100 later this afternoon. Right now, 83 at O'Hare, just 72 degrees downtown. The city says the annual Chicago Air and Water Show will be reimagined this year. WBBM's Bernie Tafoya explains. Because of the pandemic, there was no Chicago Air and Water Show last year. This year, no water show and a greatly diminished air show. There will be one demonstration team, but it's a big one. The one most spectators come out for in the first place, the Navy Blue Angels. The air show will be from noon until 1 in the afternoon on Saturday, August 21st and Sunday, August 22nd. The practice runs on Friday, August 20th. The best viewing along the lakefront is from Oak Street to Fullerton Avenue. Bernie Tafoya, News Radio, 105.9 FM. New research finds many Americans are relaxing a bit more as the nation continues to reopen. The AP Nork poll finds about 4 in 10 Americans feel the pace of the reopening was about right. Still, it's taking some getting used to. I'm pretty comfortable with what's going on, but I still got my mask just to be on the safe side. <laughs> it's a weird feeling, but I'm getting more comfortable. It's nice to see people's faces again. This same poll finds Americans who have not yet been vaccinated are still hesitant to do so. Just just 7% say they will definitely get their shots. Cami McCormick, CBS News. Remember, Odyssey is your home for all the audio that matters to you. Download the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, to listen to us anytime, or you can just ask your smart speaker to play WBBM News Radio. The best daily deal in Chicago, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Stocks are lower, the Dow down 428, NASDAQ down 93, and the S&P is down 39 points. Let's see what's going on here. Gary Kaltbaum is here, president of Kaltbaum Capital Management, based in Orlando. His website is GaryK.com. Gary, what do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? Well, it's a continuation of what started uh, about three or four weeks ago, uh, the opening up slash vaccine trade, which started November 9th with the announcement of the vaccine, has simply hit a wall. Everything economically sensitive from rails and truckers, 
housing, housing-related, economically sensitive names have all really topped out for now. Uh, probably there's going to be some lower prices first, and hopefully they'll find some area support and, and turn back up. But for now, uh, definitively under some pressure here. So what's an investor supposed to do, given the fact that you don't know whether it's going to turn around soon or, or whether we might see further drop? Well, keep in mind, uh, these areas are up, up big time since uh, November. So if you wanted to, to do some profit taking, wouldn't kill you. If you're long term and you believe in the companies, you hold on to them uh, as far as the eyes can see. I'm more of a growth stock guy versus, versus a cyclical uh, because if the economy gets in a, a poor shape and interest rates come down, I'd rather own growth. So, and that's starting to lead again. Uh, names like NVIDIA, Shopify, Amazon starting to get some legs in here, and we think that may go. So we, we have somewhat of a, a split tape at this juncture and just got to be uh, uh, you got to be a big time stock picker this second. Do you need to get back to, I mean, maybe you never should have left it, but do you need to get back as an investor to the fundamentals and really looking at what companies are doing instead of the speculation? Well, you always should. And uh, I know there's been a lot of money to make and a lot of speculative names recently. Uh, but word to the wise, all those speculative names, when uh, the music stops, there will be no chairs and they'll all go back to where they came from. Because always in the end, eventually, valuations and fundamentals will matter. And once we get past somewhat of the speculative phase, speculative phase and you know which ones we're talking about, uh, there's going to be a lot of money lost. So just be very, very careful. Yeah, and the cryptocurrencies, they've, you know, they've, they've continued, I guess we can say, their volatility, which is what just about yeah. everyone expected. Yeah, well, look, uh, the noise was the loudest right at the highs. Uh, after a, a big rally up and people started jumping in, unfortunately, a lot of these coins now are down anywhere from 40 to 70 percent. I have my own ideas on them that people yell and scream at me about. I think it's a bubble and I think most of them are going to drop 90 percent plus. But there's a lot of people that believe in them. Just make sure you're using risk capital only and as always you know, put stops in place because uh, losses can be tolerated. Big losses should be not. And you always have to ask yourself, what backs these coins up? I still can't figure it out. I consider myself pretty smart. And a lot of people, I think, are in that camp. Thank you so much, Gary Kaltbaum, president of Kaltbaum Capital Management. You can find him online at GaryK.com. Just ahead, the journey from football to food. It's Entrepreneur Friday. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday on the Noon Business Hour. University of Wisconsin football fans may remember him as a member of the school's football team, but life after football is all about putting nut-free snacks on store shelves. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Blake Sorensen, founder and CEO of Blake's Seed Based. It's here in Chicago. Blake, it's good to talk with you. When you were at Wisconsin, they called you the EpiPen guy. Help us to understand what that was about. They did. Yeah, I had a nut allergy, so I really couldn't eat any other dishes that other people could eat. So kind of singled out for my food allergy back then and, you know, decided to do something about it now. And a pretty serious food allergy, too, right? Yeah, yeah, just, you know, serious enough where I can carry an EpiPen uh, wherever I go and, you know, go into anaphylactic shock if I have a nut. So very, very serious. You say you decided to do something about it. Uh, help us understand Blake's seed-based. What did you do about it? So all the snacks in the market, you know, bars, trimmings, cookies that I wanted to eat all had nuts in them. Um, so I said, hey, I want to create a product 
um, that I can eat and others with food allergies can eat. So we decided to make a line of uh, snack bars and Rice Krispie treats that uh, all feature seeds instead of nuts and are free of the major food allergens so everyone can have them. And how important is it not only that you make that, but that it actually tastes good? That's key. I mean, a lot of our customers don't have food allergies. They just love the taste. And we have flavors like birthday cake, strawberry, chocolate chips. So this really appeals to everyone, not just people with food allergies. And now, uh, so this is a few years ago, you get this started, 2018. Uh, how's it going now? It's, it sounds like it's expanding. Yeah, we're really hitting a fun tipping point. I mean, we, we launched uh, Kroger this week locally, places like Mariano's, Jewel, Foxtrot. Uh, so we're going to be about 2,000 stores nationwide here at the end of the week. Talk to other entrepreneurs here. You, you go from this idea in your mind, hey, I think I'd like to do this, to actually getting it done. And, and in the middle there, you have to figure out your formulas. You have to figure out your packaging. You have to figure out your distribution. I mean, there's a lot to this. Absolutely. I mean, it's really about just taking one step at a time, right? I came in not knowing anything about the industry, um, but really started from making stuff in my kitchen, seeing if my friends would, would buy it, seeing if they liked the taste. And just taking that to the next step, we're eventually, you know, taking it to stores and figuring out that they wanted it as well. What challenges have you faced during this over the last few years? I mean, really, it's just about exposure and getting getting the product in people's hands. You go in a grocery store, there's so many different brands. So, you know, we like to sample our product a lot. We like to spread the word through, you know, social media and everything we can do. It's just getting people aware of the product. Yeah, I, I don't want to overplay this here, but I'm, I'm wondering what kind of feedback you've gotten from customers with nut allergies. Seems like the opportunity to have these snacks and in a bunch of varieties, I mean, it's, it's sort, of, sort of life-changing here. It gives them way more opportunities. Absolutely. That's the most rewarding part about what we're doing. I mean, we're really solving a need for a lot of people. We get emails all the week, uh, every week that, you know, really people thanking us for making this product and making their life easier. Uh, so that's really what it's all about. So advice to entrepreneurs, because I'm sure there are a lot of other budding entrepreneurs out there, people who, like you, have these health conditions and want to do something about it. What's your advice to them? You just got to take the first step. I mean, a lot of people have to have this perfect business plan. It's just take the next step. And ultimately, it comes down to people have to want the product. You have to solve a need. Um, so one thing leads to another and reach out to other people. I've had so much help from fellow entrepreneurs that have helped me along the way that uh, I think that's a key thing. It's interesting that you say people have to want the product because I, I think often people go, hey, I would like this. So there must be other people out there. But uh, you, you may either be the only one or, or a real minority. You have to make sure there's widespread desire. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, to the scale how you want to scale, uh, there has to be, you know, widespread. Um, yeah, people have, have to like it all, all around. Well, good luck to you. It's great to hear your story. Sounds like everything's going really well. That is Blake Sorensen, founder and CEO of Blake's Seed Based, and it is based here in Chicago. That's our Friday entrepreneur still to come. What's behind a possible shortage of fireworks for the 4th of July? Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Fireworks may be in short supply for the 4th of July. Let's talk about it with Alan Zolden, Vice President of Phantom Fireworks, based in Youngstown, Ohio. Phantom has locations across the country, including Michigan, Indiana, and Wisconsin. Uh, Alan, what's going on? Why the possible shortage? You know, we followed pretty much uh, the rest of the commodities coming out of Asia. Unfortunately, because of the pandemic, there's been this huge uh, volume of merchandise coming out of Asia, and the shipping companies have not been able to keep up with it. 
And fireworks, unfortunately, are a low priority of the shipping companies compared with other commodities. So and we had in 2020 the best season of our careers because the pandemic kept everybody at home and people spent money on leisure products or home products, and we fit in the leisure products. So we ended up with very low inventory, placed uh, the largest order of our careers, and then the shipping problem hit us in the face. And once you get behind, it seems like it's going to take a while to get caught up again. Yeah, it's just unfortunate, but we are doing it about as good as we can. We are prioritizing, obviously, our stores above everything else. There are a lot of people in the wholesale business that would wish to get some product from us. Unfortunately, we're unable to help them. So we're prioritizing the stores, and we probably are still going to be very tight at the end. How tough is that to prioritize the stores with those uh, regular everyday customers when you you got to be getting a lot of pressure from the other ones? We've been in this, and I've been in this business for about 35, 40 years, and I can tell you that I'm getting uh, lambasted by our, by our old suppliers and bootleggers and wholesalers that have been demanding the product. But what it really means is that there's probably not going to be a lot of roadside stands, probably not going to be a lot of smaller companies that are going to have the inventory at the end of the season. We hopefully will. What does that do with the prices? I mean, shortage usually means things are more expensive. Right. So, I mean, the biggest problem is the fact that not only was the shortage of, uh, you know, capacity to get the volume out of Asia, but the reality is the shipping prices just blew up. We went from basically $11,000 a container last year to almost 30000 right now per container, almost the value of the goods. Wow, that's that's a lot. Um, and demand now that things are pretty much open. I mean, you got to, especially after last year, there's got to be a lot of pent up demand. You know what? The demand really was on last year, even because of the fact that just everybody was at home. We gained a lot of new customer base because people were not out spending their dollars on, you know, other things. And so we ended up uh, completely, you know, that last year with no inventory. This year. Once again, the people came in and our our inventory has been getting blasted literally as it's coming in. We're in real time, you know, as far as inventory coming in and going out. It's amazing to see how it's worked. It's affecting just about every industry, including fireworks. That's Alan Zolden, vice president of Phantom Fireworks, based in Youngstown, Ohio. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, the replay podcast will be available shortly at WBBMnewsradio.com and the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.